Hello, Choose Love Movement audience. This is Scarlett Lewis. I'm the founder of the Jesse Lewis Choose Love Movement, and I am so excited today to introduce you to Michelle Gay. Michelle is a dear friend of mine, and she is a co-founder of Safe and Sound Schools, along with Alyssa Parker. Michelle and Alyssa lost their two precious daughters at Sandy Hook Elementary School, and like me, realized that that tragedy was 100% preventable, and they have both dedicated their lives to making sure that other parents will not have to suffer the way that we do. Hi, Michelle. Hi, I'm so glad to be with you. I feel like I haven't heard your voice in forever, so I'm so excited to have some time together. I know, and I'm so excited to be talking with you. I love you so much for one thing, and you're a dear friend, but also the fact is that your goals and efforts align with mine, and that's why we have partnered with Safe and Sound Schools, and it's basically to keep kids safe and healthy, physically, mentally, and emotionally. That is both of our goals. So I wanted to talk about how you do that through Safe and Sound Schools, how what you do can benefit our audience today and people who are into the Choose Love movement. Before the tragedy, I was a single mom and I really thought that it was my job as a mom to love my kids and to make sure they got to school on time and to feed them and clothe them and bathe them and have fun with them and do all the home things. And I really thought that it was the school's responsibility. I mean, I don't even think I thought about safety, but of course to keep the kids safe and to do all those things that schools do as well as educate them. And really in my mind, it was like two separate things. I thought I have my job, the school has their job, they are professional educators, they know exactly what my kids need, they're gonna take care of that and I'm gonna take care of the needs at home. And what I've learned through our shared tragedy is that that is not necessarily the case. The fact of the matter is we are all responsible for our children's safety and physical and emotional well-being and we all have to take an active role do you agree oh you've got it a thousand percent i mean what you're talking about is really what we call the siloing effect and if you were to ask any parent in america the day before our tragedy i'm sure that they would have had a very similar view of our roles and responsibilities as it pertained to our kids even I, as a former educator, I was an elementary school teacher during our time living in Newtown. I was lucky enough to be a stay-at-home mom, but even I sort of fell into that siloing effect thinking, my job is the lunches, the extracurriculars, the doctor's appointments, going to mm -hmm. church, family life, all of that. It's a lot, right? It's a lot. When I take them there and I drop them at the door where the school bus does for my older girl, we're set, you know, I'm literally handing the baton. Right. And there are folks that can handle this, but you're right. And as I sit back with the tragic hindsight that we have, I just marvel that we can all fall into that because the truth is it's too big of a responsibility to ever put on one person's shoulder. So why don't we share in it? You know, why don't we help each other out for the safety inside and out of our kids? And that's very much what our mission is about. We're so blessed that our missions are so complementary. I mean, they really are the same mission as you kind of outlined when you were talking. 
really at the end of the day, it's about safety, keeping our kids safe psychologically, physically, emotionally, so that they can grow into the wonderful people that we have dreamed that they can be to fulfill that potential. But, you know, it's something that takes all hands and all hearts and all minds. And fortunately, what we're discovering on this journey is that there are a lot of people with us, right? A lot of people that have joined the Choose Love movement, Safe and Sound mm -hmm. Schools. They want to know how can we be better connected? How can we be better supporting each other's efforts so that we do have a good sense of confidence that we are raising kids to be safe and sound? You know, while you're saying this, and sometimes when I'm speaking to an audience, it just comes over me and I say, there is no more important conversation that we could be having. Really? What is more important than keeping our most precious assets safe right. and sound? It really is. There is really no more important conversation in the country right now. When you do begin the conversation, I think sometimes with certain stakeholders, certain parents, even students, it's a little awkward. But once people get going, their world opens up, the possibilities open up, all of the opportunities to really be a part of it open up. And it's, it's really actually very exciting. And it's a wonderful way for us to heal and move forward with our loved ones. What I always say is, we know that anxiety is an epidemic in our country. We're all feeling a certain level of anxiety for our personal safety, whether it's in schools or whether it's out of schools. And the opposite of anxiety is action. The bottom line is there is something that we can all do. And that's what I love about the partnership between the Jesse Lewis Choose Love Movement and Safe and Sound Schools is that there are a myriad of things that we can do that will keep not only ourselves, but our kids safe too. You know, I love the surveys that you all have done over the last couple of years. And I was noticing the results from your latest survey from top stakeholders regarding safety and the top three concerns nationwide that came out was actually active shooter was number one, bullying was number two as a concern, and the third was intruders. Could you go into that a little bit more in depth? Yeah, and actually mental health in there. Number one across the board for all of our stakeholders really kind of balanced between mental health and active shooter. Okay. A close second, depending on which stakeholder you're asking, and our stakeholders were parents, students, public safety professionals, and educators. Now, educators is a huge category. That spans, you know, classroom teachers like me, to administrators, to school-based mental health professionals, and so on. But that's how we kind of broke the buckets up to try to discern some kind of patterns. But yeah, you know, it's so interesting that in relatively close order, you know, those were the universal themes, mental health, intruder, active shooter, and certainly bullying still, you know, gosh, don't you remember when we were kids, bullying was a top concern. So here we are, all these, I'm not gonna say how many decades later, we're still talking about bullying. We have so much work to do. But I think to your point earlier, it's about conversations. And that's what this survey is designed to do. It's designed to bring together a national conversation about these issues, kind of pull some common themes and conversation starters. And then like we saw last year, 
this national survey spawned a lot of local surveys in schools and school communities across the country. And that's really powerful. That's where you suddenly get students heard. And for two years now, two running years, we have seen a significant reporting from students that they feel disenfranchised. They feel that their voices aren't being heard. They feel that they're not included in the process. And that is just not only a huge missed opportunity because our students are a wealth of resources and information about the safety of the community, but it's also just tragic, you know? So those types of things, to see them come out in black and white in a report, there's no denying it. And it really does call to attention brings us back to the things that we really want to be focusing on. So those top concerns year after year, we're seeing pretty consistently. And gosh, half of all students reported feeling that their school has a false sense of security. And there's a stark difference between how educators are reporting on that same point. You know, most of our educators are feeling pretty confident about the expertise that's available, that there's a plan in place, they know the protocols, they know how to access resources, but if our students and parents are reporting that they are either not comfortable, can't find those resources, and feel overall that there is this false sense of security. So that's another important theme that we have to honor, acknowledge, and really raise to the forefront and get to the bottom of why that is in our school communities across the country. I think it's incredible to have this kind of honest conversation because I think there's a tendency to stick your head in the sand and think that they are going to take care of it. You know, they with a capital T, yeah. the they that you and I know don't exist. <laughs> and I think that it's interesting that there is such a disconnect between what we are seeing as adults and what kids are feeling. And also even in the reporting though, Michelle, because you look at websites like stopbullying.gov and you look at those statistics and you think, oh, you know what? Bullying is actually going down overall and it looks pretty good. But then you look at a student survey. This is really interesting and exactly what you were saying, like the Hetchinger Report, which is a nonprofit that harnesses student perceptions to help K through 12 educators accelerate improvements in their schools and classrooms. And that talks about how students are reporting that bullying is increasing. Yeah. So I think we as adults, I think I've kind of realized that we have our perceptions, we've developed our fears and anxieties as we've gotten older. Kids don't necessarily have those. So to hear their voice is really incredible. And you guys have started a youth initiative, which I think is amazing. And how has that been going? We love it. We've actually expanded it. So when we first put it out, it was a pretty formalized program, the Safe and Sound Youth Council program. And basically it's a leadership club. It's another opportunity for students to become involved as leaders. You don't have to have a 4.0. You don't have to be you know, a National Honor Society student or a student government star. This is about speaking up and pitching in and pushing up your sleeves and really participating in a meaningful way to the safety of the school community. So kind of our first foray at the urging of some of the students that we had been working with and encountering mm -hmm. out in the field. And they were like, where's the stuff for us? You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> we want to be involved. Yes. This is our safety you're talking about. <laughs> it's our house. <laughs> 
right? And by the way, you guys aren't doing that good a job keeping us safe. Totally. I mean, honestly, right? That's where it was coming from. And um, yeah, the passion and the heart and the incredible intention and just brutal honesty it was amazing. So we designed this hand in hand with some of the student groups that we were working with and piloted it and got it up and running. And then what we've done is we've developed a kind of a lighter version or like a tiered offering for our students. So there is this national youth council that is representatives of school safety that are students that are part of our organization, kind of our core leadership. And then what's happening is that that club is becoming a little bit less formal, you know, a little bit less of a formalized contract type of a thing and just more, okay, we're together, let's get going, is what we heard from the kids. You know, we don't so much need the code of conduct piece and the official agreement and, and this, that, and the other. Give us the menu of things to get started on and we wanna go, we wanna hit the road running. So just basically developing a suite of programs for students is where we're at and that's where it's getting really exciting for us. We love to hear from our students. You know, we had students from the Youth Council at the summit, remember? I do. Yeah, in March in Houston, we had two of our student leaders there speaking, presenting, and attending all of the workshops. It's just incredible to hear their perceptions, to see what they're thinking and what they bring to the table. It's just hugely valuable. They are one of the main stakeholders, if you think about it. It's incredible, really. They have a lot to say. I remember not too long ago, I was presenting in a district in Pennsylvania and they had the Student Safety Council. It was about maybe 30 or 40 students. They had Choose Love shirts on, which was really yeah. sweet. And uh, one of them raised their hand and they said, they're launching Choose Love in the whole district. It's part of their school safety initiative. And one of the questions was, how well do you think parents understand the mental health of their kids? And wow, what a question. I said, well, I can only respond for myself, but I know that because of my own really lack of social and emotional intelligence, right? Because these skills and tools are not innate. We have to learn them. You know, my kids would come up to me and they would be upset and angry about something. And I would literally go, oh my God, you're angry? You're in a timeout. Go to your room, right? Come back when you're more relaxed or calm. Right. You know what I mean? Go get it together. Get yourself together, right? Yeah. And so I actually said this out loud and I said, I can only answer for myself. Not very well. <laughs> and I said, what would you say? And he said, I would agree. I ended up having him on a podcast. He was just brilliant. He was talking about the importance of empowering students by allowing them to use their voice. We traditionally haven't done that and they have a lot to say. And so he had actually started a whole podcast series where he had gotten kids on and just asked them questions about their environment and school safety and what they thought about certain things going on in the world. You know, just it's incredible the knowledge that they have, it's true. I also wanted to go through a little bit of what your accomplishments have been since you started. You and your team have presented to more than 150,000 educators and school safety stakeholders from 1,150 cities and towns. By the way, this is within the last six years. 
you know, to just be fair to my team and our amazing network, it's so much higher than that. Those are actually last year's numbers. And this past year was just huge for us. As you know, our impact exponentially grew, you know, like the Choose Love movement, it's just catching on and word of mouth and just kind of becoming almost viral, which is wonderful. That's what we want to see. We want to see everybody involved and excited and a part of it all. Well, and also I think we're realizing it's been a slow dawning. It certainly was for me until my son was murdered, that it is our responsibility and that we do have to do something about it because if we're waiting, we're just going to be waiting for another school shooting. And so we really have to take responsibility for what's going on in our schools that by the way, translates out into our society we have to take responsibility to be part of the solution and you're offering a way to do that and so it's really incredible and part of the way that you're offering to do that is in your safety toolkits these toolkits have been downloaded in all 50 states and 133 countries around the globe potentially reaching over 5 million students could you talk a little bit about these toolkits yeah, so that's where we started actually. Alyssa and I stepped into this space. It was just like you. How can I help? What's missing? Where are the disconnects? One of the first disconnects, I think, for us, and I know for you, was just, you know, how do we get to this expertise? And how do we make sure that the expertise that's needed for physical and psychological safety is here, alive and breathing and in our school communities? That it's not just, you know, up on a bookshelf or with the sort of quote unquote higher ups in the district or the community. How do we make sure that this is getting all the way down to the most important stakeholders, the people who are living in the building all day long, our students, our teachers, our staff. On your board of directors, because you have the top school safety experts yeah. in the world on your board. Yeah. We're just so honored. We work with so many amazing people. But yeah, the straight A safety toolkits were that first step in because everything that I was getting my hands on was voluminous, you know, it was books and stacks and binders and none of it was accessible to a busy parent or teacher or student with a heavy course load. All of these people were craving the good information, but they were, you know, give me the cliff notes. I still want all the meat but cut to the chase and let me know what I need to know and present it in a way that I look at it and I get it right away. So that's where those straight A safety toolkits came in and the methodology for improving school safety as a process. You know, I think so many of us in our busy lives, we wanna check the box. We wanna make a list, like our grocery list, and we just wanna run down that list, checking off what we have done or accomplished and I think one of the first realizations for us is that it's just not that kind of a thing. Safety is a process, ensuring that people are growing, interacting in a place that's safe. It is really a constant process. It's a cultural sort of mindset. So we set forth this process of straight A safety that begins with first assessing, you know, looking at your community and where is it that the needs are, you know, where are the vulnerabilities, where are the strengths, you know, what have we got at our disposal to work with, what types of things are missing, what types of things are potentially threatening to the safety of our students and staff and our community. And then beyond that assessment phase, that's when we can really take meaningful action to develop a plan, you know, that's where we can do that next step of ACT. We can step in rather than immediately knee-jerk 
into action, we can be thoughtful. Reactive. Exactly. We can be looking right. at what our specific community needs and where we can be most impactful. And then beyond that, that taking action, that act step is assess, is looking at the auditing, really looking at, okay, we've got this in place. Now let's audit. Uh, let's take a look at our plan of action and see how well it's serving us. So it goes assess, act, audit, repeat. And we're just constantly moving in and out and through this cycle so that it is a process and no longer a checklist. So that's the first resource that we created. And that's still one of our very most popular resources. People just want to get their hands on the quick and dirty. They want to know what they can get their hands on and, and get going with right away in their community. And then of course, we talked about the report. The report is really exciting. It's a, it's just a fascinating glimpse into what's going on in our schools, what the perceptions of safety are nationwide, and really ignites a lot of conversations at the local level, which is so critically important. But then also, you know, the student programming that we're offering, the parent programming, we're so excited about the parent programming that we're offering. We've got a few initial offerings there from our suite of parent programs, but the team is just chomping at the bit to release some of the things that they've been working on this past year. Alyssa has been just leading the charge in the parent programming. She's been amazing. But of course, our Safe and Sound Institute, you know, you were with us in March for the National Summit on School Safety, bringing together thought leaders and stakeholders and practitioners from all across the country to really wrap our heads around these nationwide issues. So important and so exciting. You know, on and on, there are just so many things. We encourage folks to visit the website and dig in, find a place where you feel comfortable starting. You know, nobody has to be an expert in all of these areas as long as we're working together. Everybody has something unique to bring to the table. And the more of us that are involved and involved together, the richer and stronger, the more robust our safety programs are going to be in our schools. I agree. So would you say for the different stakeholders that are going to listen to this podcast, let's say parents, probably mostly, and educators, you know, when I'm out and about, I'm always talking about safeandsoundschools.org, you know, and I'm talking about the internal as well as the external safety measures. And of course, the internal safety measures are what we focus on at the Jesse Lewis Choose Love Movement. And that includes cultivating safety from the inside out of every child by giving them the skills, tools, and attitudes that they need to be able to have healthy, meaningful, well-connected friendships and relationships, how to manage their emotions, how to be resilient to the issues that we know they're going to face and some that they're not, how to make responsible decisions. That's internal. And then the external safety measures, which are, you know, active shooter protocol, arming, not arming school resource officers, single point entries, door locks. It's a combination of both. And I always tell audiences to visit the safeandsoundschools.org website. And I talk about your toolkit. If you were addressing parents and they're like, okay, I'm going to go to that website and I'm going to start looking. I agree. I need to start taking responsibility. I want to reduce my anxiety. I want to be a part of my child's uh, safety or, you know, I know that it's all of our responsibility. I want to start being part of the solution. What would they go to your website and look for? What would you initially tell them to do? 
You know, I think that the best place to start is always the homepage. And if you scroll down a little bit on our homepage, after you look at our mission of ensuring that every school is safe and sound through providing best practice resources, tools, and programs that support crisis prevention, response, and recovery in a school, you'll find a section called Rethinking School Safety Together. And that section contains our six pillars of a comprehensive school safety plan. And as you're talking, you know, it's just, it's so exciting to hear how very aligned we are. We're just safety geeks mm -hmm. is what we are. But there are these, <laughs> now, yeah. you know, these buckets of safety that come together to really provide that full coverage for our students in, and our school communities. And for us, that mental and behavioral health bucket is one of the key cornerstones. And obviously a lot of what you're doing at Jesse Lewis Choose Love is in that mental and behavioral health bucket as well mm -hmm. as the health and wellness bucket, right? It is, you're kids, right. Are they coping? Are they developing solid stress management skills? Are they handling difficult and adverse events in their life? And are they developing the ability to bounce back? And then as you talked about the physical environment, how well does the physical environment support safety structurally, campus-wise? You know, how quickly can people get to safe zones should there be a crisis of any kind? Weather, active shooter, a fight out in the hallway. How well can they communicate to one another during a crisis? A lot of these very practical elements fall in that physical environment bucket. And then there's culture, climate, and community. Again, a huge area where SEL and Jesse Lewis Choose Love movement falls, you know, making sure that everyone is connected, that it's a warm, welcoming environment for everyone, you know, that people want to come to work and come to school and grow and learn together. And then there's this other bucket, you know, the policy, the law, the finance, everything that we need to fund these programs and make sure that they're sustainable in our schools. It's a thing, right? We can all dream and make these amazing idealistic, you know, wish lists, but at the end of the day, we've got to be able to track down funding for them. We've got to be able to hire the personnel, bring in the experts that we need and have these programs live on in our communities. And then the last cornerstone, operations and emergency management. That's, you know, those protocols. That's our coordination with law enforcement, police, fire, you know, all of those public safety professionals that are our free resources in our communities that are chomping at the bit to get in our schools and no longer be excluded. They really want to be a part of ensuring that all of our schools are safe and sound. So I think that's a great place for a new visitor, someone who's new to our community to kind of dig in and then begin to look at our programs and resources and decide what hit them, you know? Are they looking for a parent's program? Are they looking to get a student program started in their schools? Are they looking for resources for their safety teams that they can find in the straight A safety programs? Do they wanna come and learn with us at the summit in March? So many different ways to get involved and to support this mission so that we can get the very best resources in the hands of our students and teachers across the country. Michelle, I'm sitting here, I'm listening to you talk, and I'm thinking about, you know, seven years ago yeah. <laughs> as a mom of three daughters, how never in a million years would you ever have anticipated being a school safety expert, traveling around the world, talking about school safety, 
giving advice like this, being on a podcast, and you've learned so much. I know the journey because I'm on it yeah. as well. They're I, with me, Pastor. I know. <laughs> exactly. Like seven years ago, I mean, never in a million years would I think that I would be traveling the world talking about social and emotional learning and having developed a program and offering it as a lifespan thing and having this sole focus. I hear the passion in your voice and it's the same one in mine. And I just want to impart on our audience that Michelle, you and I have gone through an unthinkable tragedy, something that's so painful and that pain is gonna be with us for the rest of our lives. And in the face of that, we have started a lifetime journey of being part of the solution. We've dedicated our lives, we've become experts on how to do this. And I just want our audience to take advantage of the journey that we've been on for the last six and a half years and what we've learned and really use that in their own lives so that they never have to experience what we did because I think the bottom line is this, what happened to our kids, and I always say this, is 100% preventable and we know how to do it. We're giving a menu, you know, everything that you just talked about of ways in which to do this and you don't have to look at it all and think, oh my God, I can't do all of that. You can pick a little portion of it there are internal and external ways to do this. But the bottom line is this, we all have to come together, take responsibility for what is going on in our schools, what's going on in our society, and be part of this solution. And there is a solution. You go on these two websites and there's plenty to do to counteract the anxiety that we're all feeling. Do you agree? Oh, a thousand percent. I absolutely do. And I want to leave you with something that you might not have noticed in our report from the survey this year. We added a few additional questions for our stakeholders, our survey participants. And uh, one of them was about how budget dollars are allocated for safety. And, you know, it's interesting. We've seen for the past few years a pretty noticeable divide between what parents and students are asking for or wanting or perceiving and educators. And that I think points to kind of a breakdown in communication that there's not that working together that we want to see. But Despite all of this, social emotional learning ranked number two by both groups. So even though the parents came out wanting a whole lot more in terms of physical safety, you know, looking for basic measures like locks on doors and secure entryways and communication systems and, and those types of things, very visible things, which you and I, I think, can understand. We wanted those so desperately, so immediately post-tragedy. But then, mm -hmm. you know, we had our educators really pushing more for mental health. All wonderful. We want to see all of those things in our schools. But despite this disconnect, both of those key kind of area groups were asking for SEL. It was ranked number two as something that was critically important to the safety of students and of the overall school community. That comes from a lot of hard work, Scarlett. <laughs> that comes from a lot of travels a lot of teaching, a lot of speaking. I mean, 
SEL, social emotional learning, that's not necessarily an everyday kind of term in everyone's vernacular, right? But now you have everyone talking about it. You have people yeah. waking up to the fact that there are so many different layers. There's not one answer, you know, it's going to come from all of these things woven together to keep our kids safe in school. So I just thought you should revel in that a little bit because you have had so much to do with bringing this type of emphasis and programming, you know, really around the world. So kudos to you and kudos to Jesse. Oh, I'm tearing up actually, because <laughs> uh, that is my mission in life. You know, that's really amazing. And kudos to you, Michelle and Joey, for all the work that you do, for all of the healing that I know that it provides for you, but for so many people, for what you're giving to the world. It is a huge gift. That's why I was so excited to do this podcast with you because I just want everybody to know about it. It's so empowering, so important, and people can learn so much from it. And bottom line, keep their kids safe and sound. And I just want to thank you so much for spending the time with us for all that you do for our partnership. It's so deeply meaningful to me. And I look forward to continuing to do our good work together. Me too. I'm so glad to have you along this road with me. It means the world. Me too. I love you so much. Love you too. Thanks everybody. <laughs> okay. Thanks. And we will see you on the next episode of Choose Love. It's all part of us. We can all choose love. It'll lift you up if you live.